like, right, okay, I can't touch you. We'll need to do some tests. I want a stool test. We'll do some more blood tests. But I think you've got inflammatory bowel disease. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Today we're on episode number 45 as we welcome the lovely Jen Wilson from the Warrior Woman Project. Today's quite an intense episode, but if you've ever suffered from any kind of digestive distress, any IBS symptoms, IBD, so things like gut bloat, irregular bowel movements, you know, maybe diarrhea or, or multiple movements per day, then this is something you're going to want to listen to. As coaches, we, we all talk about this kind of stuff regularly. It's not very nice sometimes to talk about bowel movements, but, but we all talk about it. We all know how important our gut is and our own gut health. But it's rare that you come across someone like Jen who's actually gone through possibly the worst possible conditions and someone who's actually willing to talk about it. Particularly as a coach, sometimes it's very hard for somebody to admit in our position that we've not maybe lived the best lifestyle and we've maybe not done the best things we could for our own body and it's resulted in such a serious illness. But Jen really opens up, particularly in part one, which you're going to listen to now, about exactly what went wrong and how her own lifestyle and her own decisions ultimately led to the illness. So the illness that I'm talking about and that Jen is going to talk about today is something called Crohn's colitis. You may have heard of Crohn's disease before. This is a very, very similar condition. And hopefully not too many of you have had, had Crohn's disease or Crohn's colitis. But I know so many of my clients suffer from IBS and, and IBD. So I know this is going to ring true for so many people. When Jen starts to talk about her condition and starts to talk about her symptoms and how much it was affected a day to day, although this is a very, very extreme case, I know that it's going to be affecting nearly everyone who's listening in some way or another. So let's get straight into it. Let me introduce Jen. Let Jen tell her own story, her own background and how she got into this position and ultimately how she's got out of it as well, which is very, very important. So listen in for the next 25 minutes as Jen gives a very honest and open account of what Crohn's colitis has meant to her. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. It's lovely to have you on. Thanks for having me. That's oh, great. It's great to have you. We're both um, and opposite ends of the country, really. You're up in Glasgow at the moment. I'm down yeah. uh, just near London. So I think the weather's pretty similar for both of us at the minute. It's pretty, pretty bleak outside. We've actually got blue skies today. No, it really? It has been non-stop rain since Thursday. And today I'm sitting on my sofa just now like, I see blue sky. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's a rare occasion, so we enjoy it when it happens up here. <laughs> awesome. So people might know you as the creator of the Warrior Woman Project. Um, it's, it's a huge movement. Uh, we're just talking before about your own podcast as well, the Warrior Woman Podcast, which you've got. You've written your own book as well. Um, yeah. What I want to talk about first of all, though, before we get into that, because um, that's going to be a big chunk of the podcast, I want to go back to 2017. Um, when you was diagnosed with 
I want to say Crohn's disease, but that's not quite right. It's Crohn's colitis you was diagnosed with. I was, I was officially on the paperwork. It was severe Crohn's colitis because I had inflammation and ulceration. Quite often people will have one or the other. Um, I was lucky enough to get both. Okay. Double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure I'd call that lucky. but <laughs> So for people who don't know, Crohn's, whether it be disease or colitis, is generally a, a gut inflammation condition now can you tell us what first of all how did you realize that you was becoming ill and what led you to go to the GP in the first place so I had in about about roughly two years ago so it was probably about September October 2016 I'd had ulcers in my mouth that were really really big and were taking ages to heal and then as soon as one healed another one would come up so I'd been to the dentist because obviously oral problems they always tell you go to the dentist first and he had said there's nothing wrong with your teeth sometimes ulcers can be a nutrient deficiency so go and see the doctor so when I went to see um, the GP I got the it was one of those like emergency appointments because I never really know when with being self-employed you never really know when you're going to have availability so I got a student doctor I went in to see him and explained everything and he said, right, we'll do the, the blood tests to see if you're nutrient deficient and if not, then we'll maybe explore some other avenues. So they did the blood test. I phoned up the seven days later and all your blood tests are fine. They've come back completely clear. So I was like, well, can I make an appointment to see the doctor again? So I got the same doctor when I went back and he was like, yeah, your blood tests are all showing fine. So yeah, there's not really anything else that we can do just now and I was like well so what what have I to do with these ulcers because you're talking I'm talking like they were a centimetre and a half to two centimetres across my gums around the side of my tongue and it was like you're maybe just somebody that gets ulcers so I, was, I wasn't delighted with that answer but I was like right, I'm just going to go and try and find some other something to do to try and heal this myself so I was trying all the different kinds of mouthwashes that you could think of doing oil pulling washing with salt water, tea tree oil, mouthwashes, anything at all, but it just seemed to be making them worse rather than better. And then I also started having problems at the bottom end. So I thought I had aggravated piles because I was getting a lot of pain down there. And eventually it got to the point that when I was trying to stand, I was getting a shooting pain going up my back. And I was like, something not right. And I'd been teaching classes. I used to teach a lot of spin classes. And I'd noticed on the bike I was getting weaker. So obviously, when you start to get weaker, you think, if, if, you're a, if you're a personal trainer and your client starts to show signs of weakness, you tell them you need to take some rest and let yourself heal. So having shared that information with my clients, I then went to the gym and did more to try and get stronger because <laughs> that's what you do. You don't take your own advice. No. <laughs> so on the, it was, I remember the date because it was the day before my, my dad's and my wee brother's birthday. So the 7th of February, I went back to the GP because this was the day that I was trying to teach a spin class. I couldn't even be on the bike because I just, my backside was so sore and I was so fatigued and I was like, I'm in agony, phoned the doctors. I could see a doctor that afternoon, went down and I was really fortunate. It was the, um, the doctor that owned the surgery who um, I got to see. And as soon as I started explaining my symptoms and I was like, I've started like going to the toilet quite a lot by this point. I mean, I was maybe going three or four times a day. Or as soon as I ate, I was going straight to the toilet. And he was like, okay, okay. Felt anxious in my stomach, but I was like, I'm not anxious about anything, but it's that kind of nervousness, kind of pain in my stomach. 
like I think this might be inflammatory bowel disease but he wanted to look at what I thought at the time was my aggravated piles and when he went to do the examination he couldn't even touch me he was only like through the wall he was like right okay I can't touch you we'll need to do some tests I want a stool test we'll do some more blood tests but I think you've got inflammatory bowel disease and he said to me at the time he's like that how do you feel about a colonoscopy and I was like well what is a colonoscopy event it's basically where we send a camera up your back passage and I was like I'm not excited about the, the idea <laughs> but if it's something that needs to be done then I'm not going to tell you that we're not doing it so he said I'll put through to the hospital to try and get an appointment it normally takes about 12 weeks to come through anyway so it will not happen in the next any time soon and it will also depend on what the results of the tests come back so when I handed in the stool sample and the results of that came back I then got a letter from the hospital to say that my GP had been in touch to um, change the status of the requirement for the colonoscopy from can we get one to it's urgently needed so it's still even though it was on an, an urgent status it still took about three or four weeks to actually get in to get the scope done and in that time I'd been back he wanted to keep checking um, my bloods and other things that were going on to see like to monitor my symptoms because he couldn't put me on any medication at that point in case it masked anything so that when they did the scope we saw exactly what we were at so I was in limbo and agony in that time I started losing weight because what my theory was if I don't eat I won't have to go to the toilet as often <laughs> um, so within about two weeks I dropped from 67 kilos down to about 51 kilos wow um, it was pretty dramatic and the GP yeah. was like I'm getting concerned now because you're losing so much weight and we really need this to get this scope done before we can do anything. Even the good thing is once you get the scope done, they'll be able to tell you there and then what the diagnosis is, if it is Crohn's arthritis, and then we can start getting you on the medication straight away. So he was, I mean, the GP was brilliant. He was phoning me all the time to check up on me to see how I was doing and just kept going, I'm so sorry that I can't do anything to make this more comfortable. So when I got the scope done, the consultant came in like straight after and said, got severe Crohn's colitis here's an information sheet here's this is the medication you need to go on you need to get a prescription for it and then you'll start so they um, got me started on steroids straight away but when they gave me the prescription for the steroids the consultant at the hospital said it's a short-term thing because you can't be on these steroids long term but my GP when I told him the prescription I needed he was like right okay, I'll give you the prescription for these, but check with the hospital that this is not a long-term plan for you because these are, these are really bad steroids. When I took the prescription to my pharmacist, he was like, how long have you to be on these? These are really bad. So when these people are saying this to you, you're like, what the fuck are they giving me? Like, kind of puts you off taking the tablets, doesn't it? Yeah. But at the same time, I was in so much pain and so much agony and I just wanted to stop going to the toilet and I wanted to be able to eat a meal because by this point I hadn't, eating a proper meal for nearly six weeks, eight weeks. And I was just like, I just want to eat again. Like, so oh, distressed by it and feeling so weak and stuff like that. So it was like, oh, please, just somebody give me a hug and make it all go away and make it be better. And I, I was at the point where I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror, like, because I had got so, I could see my ribs sticking through the skin. I could see my hip bones protruding and I was just, oh my God, I look so weak, I look so ill, and it was just a horrible, horrible place to be in at that point. 
Yeah. So did the tablets then, the steroids, they start to start to make a change? You can start to eat a little bit more, slow down your bowel movements, such like? They did slow down the bowel movements a little bit, but what happened was I then started getting more pain. Like I started getting this pain across my stomach that felt like I was being electrocuted all day and all night. And when, I'm trying to, when I've tried to explain um, to people before what the pain felt like, I don't know if as a child you ever did this, but you know you get those square batteries? Yeah. And you can, if you lick the end of it, it tingles your tongue. So when it's dead, it only gives you a wee tingle, but if it's fully charged, it like, nearly blows your tongue out. So it was kind of like that sensation amplified in my tummy all the time. Like I was holding my tummy to try and hope that carrying it meant it wouldn't be as sore going to the toilet was excruciating because it was like it felt like there was really bad trapped winds up there that even going to the toilet didn't alleviate the pain and I remember one one night or one early hours in the morning going to the toilet and actually crying out in pain and thinking shit I'm in a block of flats here everybody's going to think I'm getting murdered but I didn't care because I was just in unbelievable pain so it took I was on those steroids initially until I got to go back and see the consultant because they needed to see the biopsies from the colonoscopy before they could decide on what what plan they were putting me on for other medication other medications so that was about 10 days that I was on those steroids so I it slowed the toilet down a little bit and meant I could start eating but I don't know if you've ever been on steroids they create the most horrific cravings for sweet food and salty food (laughs) <laughs> and they also if you don't eat every hour or so you start to get like hypos it's like it's just unreal so I was having to eat and the only things that I could eat at that point were cream eggs and mini cheddars <laughs> it was like anything else would cause cramp like if I was taking any food with any kind of fiber in it it was making my, my, my tummy cramp even more so it was like right, how can I get the most simplest sugar easy things in and that was the only two things that kind of made me feel all right was cream eggs my hospital as well had said to me because my weight had dropped so much they're like I don't care what you eat, but you need to start eating and eat high high calorie foods because you need to start getting your weight up. Like that's all they were concerned about was me getting my weight up. So I was like, okay, I'll eat six cream eggs because the hospital said that was all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's tough, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but obviously I realised then like that, yeah, that's not actually very good and it was probably causing more inflammation, all that sugar. But at the time it was just like, I need something to stop the shaking from the steroids. Yeah, well, that sounds absolutely horrendous. To be honest, I've <laughs> I've had a few stomach cramps in the past. Nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. And it's to have that for such a long period of time sounds just. Oh, I can't imagine what that that must be like. But I talk to a lot of clients with IBS, um, which is obviously very similar. It's a gut inflammation caused by, well, caused by many reasons. A lot of it caused by processed food, caused by poor diet, caused by stress, lifestyle. And IBD obviously is just a massive step up from that. And as you've just described, is is really severe. So when clients come to me with IBS, I, straight away I'm looking at their lifestyle, their stress, and their and their diet, because a lot of them are eating processed food. What would you say was going wrong prior to you getting this diagnosis to lead to, to this Crohn's colitis? Well, when I started researching, I was looking at what it was and I'm like it's gut inflammation so what I started doing was sort of like reversing because they're like it's an autoimmune disease it's chronic inflammation and I was like but I'm exercising all the time and I I used to like I've 
been vegetarian most of my life and I used to always have smoothies and juices and vegetable curries and eat all this like whole food so it wasn't really making sense to me initially that I had it but when I started sort of reverse engineering about what it actually was and it was like when I looked it's like what causes chronic inflammation things like sleep deprivation so when I came back from Australia in 2009 I decided to go back to college and retrain in the health and fitness um, industry so because I'd gone back to college full-time I also needed to work over and above that to pay my mortgage and live so I was getting up at six o'clock in the morning to go and teach a class before college, going to college all day, then going to work at night, working till eight, or eight nine, ten o'clock at night, getting home 11, having to catch up in college work. Then my brain was too wired to sleep, so it would maybe be three o'clock before I was dropping off to sleep, back up at six o'clock to do the same thing the next day. And then even when I left college and uni, I would still be in that cycle of getting up to teach an early morning class, working through the day to late at night, and then in that cycle. But because I was doing high intensity exercise, it gave me an adrenaline kick. So I never felt, even when I felt tired, once I did the exercise, I felt a bit better. So I was living on that kind of buzz. So the chronic sleep deprivation, so you're talking 2009, 2010, through to 2016, 2017, I was getting three or four hours a night, most nights. At the weekends, I tended to go out clubbing, so I wasn't catching up on my sleep at the weekends. Um, then the stress of doing exercise, I was teaching at one point 25 hours of classes a week, and that there was about 14 spin classes. There was a few Pilates classes, um, and then things like legs bum tums kind of or boxer size. So again, still quite intense exercise. And then on top of that, I was going to the gym to do workouts. So my body was just getting stress overload, stress overload, stress overload. Plus trying to do college work and uni work. And I went through a divorce as well. So I had the emotional stress added on. So you layer lack of sleep with chronic exciting stress but stress on top of that never taking rest days never taking downtime sleeping days off was for the week when I took holidays I went to Ibiza so again I wasn't resting <laughs> it was just go 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 and my friends used to be like what are you doing now like you've just you're non-stop and as soon as I did something I was looking for the next thing and I was looking for the next thing and that that accumulated over the years yeah. For me, when I looked at that, I was like, oh yeah, that's why my body's fucked. <laughs> so did, did you have like this, this light bulb moment or did it slowly just sort of dawn on you why, why, why this was happening? Or did you just suddenly think, yeah, yeah, that's why I need to, I need to slow down a bit? <laughs> when, I read, well, when I read the stuff, I knew that I'd got the illness for a reason. Like I believe everything happens to you for a reason. So when I first was sick, my friends were like, you know, you've got you've got this for a reason and it's gonna be it's gonna turn out for the best. And when I'm lying on my couch, I'm like that, I don't fucking care, I just want to be well right now. But when I started looking into it and when I saw that thing about the sleep deprivation, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And when the steroids cause insomnia, so I would maybe fall asleep at nine or ten o'clock at night and then wide awake by two o'clock in the morning and that was me awake from two o'clock in the morning right through until whenever I managed to drop off and I'm reading this stuff about sleep and I'm like I need to get my sleep better so I would, when they told me that they were going to start winding down the steroids to, to get me off so I ended up I was only on I was on them for nearly 12 weeks 
because they can't just stop you on them. You have to wean you off That's them. Right, yeah. So I started, I was on 40 milligrams and had to gradually work my way down. But when I went from 25 down to 20 milligrams, I started getting really severe side effects, like really bad cramps. And there was my stomach started getting sore again. And I started going to the toilet a wee bit more frequently. So I was like, you need to go back up to 25 and stay on that for a while longer until they'd started me on a second medication and said once that second medication starts to take a little bit of effect then you might be able to come back down so yeah. I did that I think for three days and then I was like no I want all these steroids sooner rather than later I'm just going to try and work with the, the symptoms as much as I can and try and deal with that so I did a lot of um, yoga nidra meditations yeah. because when I had been looking and like when I'd learned about yoga nidra meditations quite a while ago um like way before I had been unwell and they said that that's like the next best thing to sleep so if you can't sleep a yoga nidra takes you to that borderline so that your body's getting that that sense of calm so I would just put headphones in yoga nidra start it again another yoga nidra and just do that as much as I could until I could get my body just to rest and then as I came off the steroids I then started being able to increase my sleep and I said to the hospital after I'd had three nights in a row of eight hours or more sleep, my pain cut in half. My pain went from a 10 down to a 5. And I said, I told the hospital when I was up on one of my, my checkups, and the nurse just kind of looked at me and went, oh. And I was like, no, but that's, that's a real thing. Like, I've read, because I'd read um, Ariana Huffington's book, The Sleep Revolution. So she had... Um, started studying sleep after she'd collapsed and had all this academic research and stuff from the Harvard sleep centers and things. And I was like, this sleep stuff, it's a real thing. And the nurse just kind of looked at me and went, oh, okay. <laughs> I think a few things you've said there then. So the steroids, no doubt, are a fantastic drug that, that helps so many people in so many conditions. But at the same point, I know so many people that have had such severe side effects from the steroids and it, you've touched on it there that getting down from 25 to 20 your body gets so dependent on the drug very very quickly it was only what 10 to 12 weeks yeah people are on this for years and then they wonder why they can't get off it they wonder why their skin turns into tissue paper and they have all these other problems like you say sleep deprivation yeah. insomnia um but the gps and you've, you've just said it right at the end there that they look at you a little bit strange when you go to a more naturalistic approach and you start to look at lifestyle issues and you start to look at the real cause for the for the, for the disease if you like yeah. but the, you don't get that from the gp straight away do you i've had a gp on the podcast a few weeks ago and and she was saying she's against giving out medication as much as possible mm. and gps are they're trained that way that's just it's not their fault that's just the way they're taught you have this you have this this sheet you have this book you have crohn's disease you have this pill you have hay fever you have this pill and it's just the way them they're wired to be and they're trained to be but when you try and take a different approach and you try and look at the root cause and, and your whole lifestyle why is that frowned upon so much why is that not understood enough in this modern day uh, i don't know if like i try to understand my nurses and because my nurses seem to be more resistant to it than my consultant when i've spoken to my consultant about the stuff that i'm doing he's kind of like right okay there's not he can, he always, anytime I've asked him about anything, he's always gone, there's not enough evidence. So he, I don't think he's allowed to say, yeah, try it or not, because they need to have a certain amount of evidence before that they can 
breaking the end I suppose um, I think from the stories that the nurses have, have said because they obviously see the patients much more consistently than the consultants do um, I think what they find, tend to find is most patients just want the pill to make it all go away or to manage it and don't want to take any of the like the responsibility of adding these things in and whether or not they are just really cynical about it or they have suggested things to people and people have said that they've tried it but not actually taken it on board and then have failed because they haven't taken it on board I don't know but there just seems to be a lot of guidelines particularly yeah. at the hospital, that they're like, right, this is what our protocol is. So just tell them to follow that. Because my GP has been brilliant. He's been like, tell me what it is that you've been do doing so that I can recommend what you're doing to other people. Um, he seems to have much more flexibility. I don't know if that's because he owns his surgery or what, but the hospital seems to be much more restricted. And I'm fortunate my consultant, when I do tell him what I'm doing, he's like that. Okay, well, if it seems to be working, let's let's keep you keep you doing that but obviously as soon as it stops working and I'm like it's not going to stop working <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my new life and I've nailed it I've got it <laughs> <laughs> so before you got the really severe cramps just before we finish part one yeah did you, did you ever have any kind of IBS symptoms previously did you ever have like a, a lot of wind any any GI problems anything like that any irregular bowel movements or bloating no um, the only thing that I'd had, which had been about 2012 or 2013, I'd had a problem with Helicobacter. But when I did some research in it, there was no link between Helicobacter and Crohn's. Um, but other than that, I'd had no, no other obvious GI problems, like went to the toilet once a day, didn't have any obvious bloating, no wind, no pain, because I had quite a lot of friends that had got IBS, and I was always like, take this digestive enzyme, take these probiotics, like do this stuff, do that stuff. So from that, yeah, from that sense, food had never, and even now after, like now that I'm well, and I'm starting off my medication and things like that, food still doesn't seem to cause any obvious problems. I've not had to change anything. There's a couple, like beetroot seems to clear me out faster, but my boyfriend says it clears him out faster than, as well, so I don't know if that's just a thing, because I never really ate beetroot previously, so um, it wasn't something that I was aware of, but there's no foods that I used to eat previously that I find that I can't eat now. Yeah, okay, so for you then, definitely definitely more lifestyle factors than, yeah. than nutrition. That's yeah. really, that's really interesting. But yeah. then I don't know if that's because I've always followed a whole food plant-based diet because I was at a lecture with a, um, a GI recently, um, a gastroenterologist who is really advocating the whole food plant-based diet, particularly for people with inflammatory bowel disease. So I don't know if that's why or if it's, yeah, I don't know if that's why. <laughs> Well, as, as I'm always advocating a plant food, whole food plant-based diet, I'd like to think that that's played a huge role yeah. Um, yeah. in leading up to it. But then other factors that we talk about, stress and sleep, have, have clearly been the tipping point for you. Yeah. Thanks, Jen, for being so honest and telling us everything <laughs> about that. Um, when we come back in part two, I want to talk a lot more about what you're doing now. I want to talk about your Warrior Woman project and how you're empowering all the women that you're working with. So thanks very much. We'll speak again in a couple of days. There we go. I said at the start that was going to be a very honest portrayal of Crohn's colitis and everything that Jen has gone through 
She's so honest, and I, and I love that because, like I said at the start, as coaches, sometimes it can be very hard to admit that we've done things wrong. Maybe that we're not the epitome of health 24-7, that we do make mistakes. But the most important thing here, and especially for Jen and for our own audience, our own tribe, that she can now coach from a better position because she's been honest and she's been in this position and she can really, truly help people who are in a similar position because she's been there herself. Now, as I say, it's very, very hard for coaches to admit that we're maybe not living the perfect life all the time. And I myself have talked recently on social media about how my own standards had slipped a few months back because my business really took off and I was, I was finding myself busier and busier and busier and just gradually my own self-care, which normally so high up on the list, just dipped a little bit. And I found myself getting into these sorts of positions where my gut wasn't functioning quite as well. You know, I was getting a few headaches, I was getting a bit tired and all these kinds of things. And and it made me think to this episode, and it made me think about talking to Jen and I knew what she'd been through. I knew the way she'd pushed herself to the limit and I knew what the outcome was of pushing herself to the limit. And I was so mindful every day. I knew I was pushing myself, but this chat with Jen just kept coming into my mind and I thought, I know I have to be careful. I know I have to sleep well. I know I have to hydrate. I have to get some exercise. Have to have to make time for myself. No matter how busy I am, I'm going to be no good to anybody if I'm in the state that Jen got into and I'm in and out of hospital, in and out of doctors, having colonoscopies. That's no good to anyone. So I have to, as I always say, make time now or you're going to have to make time later to be ill. So I'm really thankful to Jen for recording this episode because all these episodes because they really, a couple of months ago, they really woke me up to how I was starting to behave and how I started to neglect my own self-care. And and I turned it around very quickly and I managed to stay on the right path because of Jen. So if I've done it, I know everybody listening can do it as well. So please listen to Jen's story. Listen to it again if you have to. Understand just how much pain and discomfort this lady was in and understand the, the things that she's had to do. The simple things, really. Let's be honest. She says in this episode that just sleeping a little bit more, just sleeping for three nights, getting eight hours sleep for three nights in a row really reduce their symptoms it's really simple things that we can bring into our life or change about our life that can change our symptoms and improve our condition so don't think you have to make massive changes you don't it's just simple self-care practices as jen has described that will really make a difference to your condition so i really hope you enjoyed that as much as i did we're going to come back in a couple of days we're going to come back with part two with jen we're going to find out a lot more about Jen and her business and and how she helps the the people that she does, which is equally as fascinating as the chat we've had today. In the meantime, if you can't wait for the next couple of days for for the next part to come out, please go and check the show notes. You can connect with Jen and myself in the show notes. Reach out, ask us any questions you like. We're both more than happy to answer your questions, but reach out, follow us both on social media. All the links are in the show notes. Other than that, guys and girls, Please stay tuned. Please subscribe so you don't miss part two with Jen Wilson, which is coming up in a couple of days time.